Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. So we're busy with our series, No Longer Slaves, and uh, just uh, as, a, as a means of introduction, then I'll recap on last week's message, and then we'll get into this morning's message. But um, No Longer Slaves really just birthed from this, this again, from uh, this desire to bring about and to really show people the, the reality of what God did for us, and the reality, again, of God's Spirit in us, and that what, what that means for us. We laid a, a thick foundation in, in part one, then God will minister on freedom from legalism or freedom from religion specifically. Um, I got to share with uh, a guy this past week, and uh, we're busy putting a contract together. He's Greek Orthodox, and um, got to share with him a little bit. And I know the Greek Orthodox Church, there's a lot of like um, works, if I can call it that, a lot of things that you have to do, and you jump through a lot of hoops, so to speak. And even within the Christian church, um, there's a lot of hoops, like, uh, cool, you come to church, you may be an alcoholic, you smell of alcohol, you get born again, everyone's super excited, and then next week when you come back smelling like alcohol, people are upset with you. None of you have experienced that, right? Or maybe you've, been in the, maybe you've been in the driving seat where you're the upset person with that one, they're still smelling of alcohol, just because they got born again last week, now that you think that you need to now clean up your act and at least come and look like you're clean. Let's, let's pretend like everyone is holy. All of us have experienced that, that side of church, right? Um, which the world sees as hypocriticism. And that's an ugly thing. That's something that leaves a lot of people walking away from God. Hypocritical Christianity. And hypocritical Christianity is only there because of a performance mindset. Saying that God intended for man to work for him. To work to appease him. To be good enough for him. And then we get into this, this, this fight of, of care, comparing ourselves among ourselves. At least I'm not as bad as Norman. At least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit more ahead of them. Like that, that is not the intent of, of God. That's not the intent of Christianity. So I got to share with this, this, uh, this, this guy and I, and I got to minister to him and ask this question. It's a great question. What religion did Adam and Eve have in the garden? Let's start at the beginning. What religion did Adam and Eve have? What works did they have to do to be good enough before God? None. They just enjoyed relationship with God. And that's God's heart for us from the beginning of time to enjoy fellowship with man. To have his spirit live in man. To have unbroken fellowship, unbroken unity with man. And when we come to realize that, we're going to start enjoying freedom in our relationships with God. We're going to start enjoying freedom in our relationships with one another. And last week, I, I shared on freedom from sin and death specifically. And I shared the example of Hiro Unada. If you weren't here, um, you can get the teaching online. But uh, Hiro Unada was this Japanese fighter fighting in World War II. And uh, he was on a, like a secluded island doing some uh, kind of uh, military intelligence. And um, he kind of didn't get the memo that the war was over. And for 30 years, he was still fighting a war that was already over. 30 years. He could have enjoyed his freedom and freedom from a war, but because he didn't know something, he couldn't enjoy that. And that's why it's vitally important for you to come to know 
the truth that Jesus has made available to you. John 8.32 says that you will know the truth and the truth that you know will set you free. So the truth that you don't know is not able to set you free. Yet the truth is there. Like there was a truth for Hiro Unada. The war is over. He did not know that. What was the fruit? Still fighting a war. Still fighting a battle that was already won. So it's vitally important for us to come to know the truth so that we can experience that freedom. And God has set us free from a life of sin. Romans 6, 6, we looked at this last week. We know that our old sinful natures, our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power. Say lose its power. So this is, this is the word of God. And so the word of God says, so we, our old selves have been crucified with Christ so that in order that sin might lose its power in our lives, we are no longer slaves to sin. Now, the question that might come up in your heart and change your heart and ask God to show you the implication of this. Because this is truth. The word of God is truth. Your experiences, if it's different, is a lie. That's how you, you discern between truth and lie, right? If one thing is true and you're not seeing that, it's a lie. It's deception. And it's again, there's no... No condemnation of you in this area of believing a lie or, or be, uh, being in deception. There's no condemnation for you. But we need to allow our lives to be determined by the truth of the word of God. Too often people are living their lives determined by experiences. Making decisions because this is what my environment says. This is what my experiences have been. So this is now the choices and decisions I'm making. That is not wisdom. That is not the leading of God and His Spirit. So this morning, I'm super excited to get into uh, the Word. And then we're going to do some, uh, uh, receive some ministry from one another. And we're going to look at freedom from sickness this morning. Freedom from sickness. A few questions to consider before we get into the morning's message is, and I know I'm going to rattle some, uh, some brains and some uh, religious bones. I'm going to shake some religious bones and some uh, religiosity this morning. That reminds me, another word that I had while we were worshiping is, it's in lines with whatever you believe in currently. Don't be afraid to change that and to, to believe something differently Especially if what you're believing isn't bringing about fruitfulness in your life. If what you're believing is not ushering a greater sense of intimacy between you and God and the people around you. Because ultimately that is God's desire for you to experience a greater intimacy with Him, your Heavenly Father. And for you to experience greater intimacy, greater fruitfulness, greater peace with your relationships with the people around you. And so whatever you believe in currently, if that is not facilitating those two things, at least be willing to change what you believe. At least be willing to investigate. That was actually the word. No, that was the word. The word, if you seek, you will find. Some of you are looking for answers, but you're not willing to seek. 
I know that sounds like an oxymoron. Like some of you are like, like I want this answer. I want this. And I don't. But you're not willing to investigate. You're not willing to seek it out. And so the invitation from God is seek it out. Because the promise is if you knock, the door will be open. If you seek, you will find. If you ask, you'll get an answer. So a few questions to consider before we get into this morning's message on freedom from sickness is where does healing come from? It's a good question to ask. Where does healing come from? It's simple. It comes from God. But we'll get into that a little bit more in the message. It comes from God. Where does sickness come from? It's a good question to ask. Because sometimes we uh, attribute and we uh, blame certain things or certain people, so to speak, inaccurately. Sometimes we blame Satan for things that he never did. For example, if you get drunk and you get in a car and you have an accident and you die, it's not Satan's fault. That's a very simple example. I'm trusting that all of you can agree with me. When you chose to willfully overconsume alcohol, willfully get in your car, drive, and have an accident and die, it was not Satan's fault. It is your fault. There's no condemnation. And I, I trust, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, I'm not sensitive if you've lost someone um, in a car accident to alcohol. I trust that, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will minister to you. But I don't want to be insensitive in, 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 in using that example. But we need to understand that there are certain things that are that was Satan's fault, and we'll get into that a little bit. But there are a lot of things that is just our choices that we're making. So where does sickness come from? Where did sickness come from? First, it came from the fall of man. And then a lot of times within that fall and sin entering into the world and sickness and all of that, Satan does use certain things to orchestrate other things and sicknesses to come to be. Another question to ask is, is it God's will to heal? It's a great question and the answer, and we'll get into it this morning, is yes. Then another follow-up question to that if. If it is God's will to heal, then when is it God's will to heal? Great question. The answer is simple. Always. We'll get into it this morning. Last question. When did healings and miracles come onto the scene? If we look at the history of the Bible, when did healings and miracles come onto the scene? As soon as people fell ill and drew from God's power, there was manifestation. As soon as we can track it back from the fall of man, from the first account, whether sickness or illness, as soon as someone chose to draw from a power source, which is God, there was a manifestation. Sorry, one more question. How do we know that healing is always God's will? So maybe some of these questions have been questions that you've been kind of uh, wrestling out with God, and uh, we're going to get to their answers. And this is going to be one, one message. We'll probably in the future do a whole series on, on healing because some of these things really need to kind of be established in our hearts in light of um, just receiving and walking in health. So John chapter 14, let's go there. John 14 verse 9. But this is probably one of the, the, the greatest lies within the body of Christ is 
the lie or the belief that God's will is not always healing. Sometimes it's sickness because he wants to teach us things. And we're going to uproot that lie completely this morning. So John 14 verse 9. Jesus replied, Philip, I've been with you all this time. So this is one of the disciples. And he says, Philip, I've been with you all this time and you still don't know who I am. That's many believers today. They still don't know who God is. They still don't know the nature of God. They, they, they're blaming God for things that is completely contrary to his very nature, contrary to his word. You still don't know who I am. How could you ask me to show you the Father? For anyone who's looked at me has seen the Father. This is Jesus. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What is he saying? I'm the exact replica, the exact copy of who God is. His very nature. Healing was always Jesus' will. We see this throughout the Bible. We're not going to get into that in too much depth, but we'll touch on it a little bit. Healing was always Jesus' will. Let's go to Matthew 8 quickly. Matthew 8, 14 to 17. As I'm ministering and as we're getting into the word this morning, I want to invite you to raise an expectancy in your heart. Partake with the word this morning. Don't just be spoon-fed this morning. Like if, if you're a baby this morning, your baby uh, in, your, in your walk with God, in your, in your Christianity, maturity-wise, that's fine. You can be spoon-fed, but choose to grow up. That, that seems like a very like a, a blunt statement, but you get to. I don't determine for you whether you're maturing in the things of God. And that removes a lot of burden from me. I, I don't purpose on your behalf whether you're going to grow in the things of God, whether you're going to mature in the things of God. And so when we together in a setting like this, or when we get into the word in our own personal devotion time, or at life group, or at any given setting, you're going to get out of that setting as much as you purpose in your heart to get out of that setting. I can't do it for you. I can lay out this amazing meal for you. It can smell amazing. It can look amazing. But you decide whether you're going to dig in. And whether you're just going to kind of swallow the steak whole. Or whether you're going to actually chew. And like think about the flavors that you're experiencing right now. You guys get the, 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 the analogy. You can either just chow food and you can just swallow it. So that it can like just get you going. Or you can savor the moment. And that is what I'm inviting you to do through the word this morning. Is to savor the moment. To, to purpose in your heart. To receive everything that God has got for you. And if you're challenged with something. Make a note of that. Investigate it. Seek. Come and talk to me about something. If it's challenging for you. I'm not afraid to, to be asked questions. Praise God. We're not, we're not afraid of questions. I might tell you I don't know. Imagine that, that a pastor is, is, is confident enough to say that they don't know. But I'll find out for you if I don't know. Matthew 8, 14 to 17. And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand and the fever left her body. What is fever? Fever is sickness. Okay, this isn't uh, something... Uh, Spiritually, she had a physical sickness here. 
fever left her and she arose and ministered unto them. So it's talking about physically she was not able to do something. She received healing and then physically she was able to do something. I need to explain it like that because oftentimes we, we, we read the word of God and we filter through what someone else has taught us. Or deception that we've believed, lies that we've come to believe. So it's good to ask questions and to kind of think about what we're reading as we're reading things. Otherwise, what will happen by default is whatever you believe right now, if you stuck on that belief until kingdom come, you will read whatever you're reading faulted from that belief. It doesn't matter how clear it is. You'll falter that and you'll make it sound like what you want it to sound. That's why it's ultimately and utterly important for us to approach the word of God with humility. Humility says that I'm willing to be wrong. Who's willing to be wrong here this morning? It's tough. I'm in good company. Because if you're willing to be wrong, you can change what you believe currently. If you're not willing to be wrong, guess what? You're not going to be willing to change what you believe. A man convinced against his will will be of the same opinion still. If I convince you, and I put out all the facts for you, but you didn't want to be convinced, you will not change. Verse 16. And then the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick. How many did he heal? Some? 30%, 40%, 50%? He healed all. All means all. It means 100% that were sick. So whoever was sick in that setting, he healed them. He didn't say, hey, okay, man, here's a great teaching opportunity. You've got this sickness. I know God is going to do something through the sickness. He wants to teach you patience. He wants to get you closer to him. You'll never find that in the word. You'll never find that through the ministry of Jesus. And what do we, what do we read about Jesus? He says, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. He healed all that was sick, verse 17, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our firmities and bore our sicknesses. Healings and miracles were available before the cross. This is also super important for us to understand. Because this was Jesus' ministry, and he did many signs, wonders, and miracles even before the cross. And even before Jesus' ministry, there was healings, there were miracles, etc., so again, it's good to ask and to understand where does healings come from? Where is the power? What is the source of healing? To see healings, to see miracles. It's good to think about these things because if we find the source, we can tap into the source. I'm always tempted to, to, to talk about tomato sauce and chutney, etc. But I went there. Okay, so we find the source, then it's easy to tap into it, to draw from that, to draw from the life, the power. One thing that we need to understand, and we've to a degree believe this, and we, I'm not going to get into it too much. For a long time, we thought that what Jesus physically did on the cross brought about our healing, brought about health. So then we, there was a, a, a belief that because Jesus died for my sin and I'm forgiven of my sin, 
In the same way, because Jesus died on the cross for my health, I'm actually healed, even though I'm not. Maybe that's where you are at currently, confessing and speaking health in the, in the, in the, in the sense that I'm already healed, but that's not what the word says. And we'll get into that. What Jesus accomplished on the cross was a very specific thing. It was forgiveness of sin and justification for righteousness. Making you, man, making it possible for God's spirit to come and live in us. That is what Jesus did on the cross. That is what he accomplished through Calvary, through Pentecost. It was a specific message. And I'll get into that a little bit more now. John 14, 12. And it's important to understand some of these things because the more we cut away, even if it's slight deviated truths, the more we cut away and the more focus we come, where's the strength of a laser? Focus. The more focus we become on a matter, on a truth, the more we'll experience that truth. John 14, 12, and I'll tell you this timeless truth. Say with me, timeless truth. So timeless truth, it's a truth that doesn't change. It is true throughout the time. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with my Father. This is Jesus speaking. If you've got your physical Bibles open or uh, app on your phone, then you'll see these words in red meaning that it is Jesus' actual words. You will do the same mighty miracles, the same oneness as me. If you look at the life of Jesus, what he did, you'll do these same things and greater things than these. Why? Here's the answer to where's the power come from. Because I go to my Father. What does that mean? Jesus is talking about his death, his resurrection, the finished work, the outpouring of the Spirit. This is the reality that we are enjoying today. God spread in man. Acts 6 verse 8 says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Full of faith and power. What is this power? The Greek word for power here is dunamis, where we get the English word dynamite from. What does dynamite do? It's explosive. It leaves an impact, right? I haven't seen dynamite explode. I've seen firecrackers explode, like, uh, and, and but if fireworks, like I've seen that, and it's obviously that's a, that's a form of uh, dynamite. So you see something happen with that power, right? I remember having those, uh, those this is not going to give my age away, those red and green little firecrackers that were strung up together. They were amazing. You light the whole room and they were just like sound like a machine gun. But we also took those little ones and we put them in little play cars and we lit them. And like, it's like, I don't know why, why we did that, but we enjoyed, we enjoyed blowing up cars. Praise God, uh, that didn't affect my future. I'm not blowing up cars today. Um, amen. But whenever you light something, this dynamite, this dynamis that the word is talking about, it's talking about impact. You're going to see something. It's not just spiritual, but you see something. So it says, Stephen was full of faith and power that great wonders and miracles among the people. Wonders and miracles are things that aren't naturally explainable. Healing people that are sick, etc. 
Now, the same word power is found in Acts 1 verse 8, and it says, but you'll receive power. This is talking about the believers. This is talking about going to, to uh, Jerusalem, talking to the disciples, saying, go and wait in Jerusalem after I pour out my spirit. So we, we, we're building a case here, guys. You will receive power, dunamis ability. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. This is the outpouring of God's Spirit. This is the power that we're talking about. This is the source of healing power. Guess when did the Holy Spirit come on the scene? Technically, Pentecost. But guess what? The Holy Spirit didn't come into existence at Pentecost. God, the Father, Son, and Spirit, from the beginning of time, power was there. The power was there. Whoever tapped into that power experienced a manifestation. Today, we've got that very power living on the inside of us. Mark, let's go to Mark chapter 5, verse 25 to 29. So we're kind of investigating this, like, what is the source of this power? And we we are um, getting into that right now. The Spirit of God in man, that power is available to draw from. Mark 5, 29, we see this example. And then I'll just clarify a little bit more on my previous note that I made on what Jesus accomplished on the cross, specifically forgiveness of sins and sanctification and justification versus not necessarily bringing about our healing through the cross. So we'll get into that, uh, explaining that a little bit more now. So Mark 5, verse 25 to 29, it says, A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. So this is something physical that she was challenged with, that she struggled with. That she went to see doctors, paid them, but they could not do anything. So this is something physical. This is sickness. This is disease. Verse 27. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of a terrible condition. This is powerful. Now firstly, this woman decided and purpose in her heart, if I do this thing, this wasn't a condition that if you go, she didn't read somewhere, if I go and touch the hem of Jesus' robe, I'll be healed. This was within herself, she believed, that there was power in Jesus, even his very clothes that he wore. If I just touch that, healing will flow. She knew and identified Jesus as a source of power. Now, I pray that each one of us, and to a degree, our ministry has, has been known as a ministry where people with sicknesses or things like that would find out about different manifestations of healing that the, the families experience, and then they would seek our ministers out. This is what happened to Jesus. This woman seek Jesus out. Now, I haven't too much lately had someone seek me out to pray for them for healing. But I pray that that becomes something that, and it's not because of healing, it's because God wants us well, but secondly, I get to minister life 
and peace to someone and get someone to in, in, uh, start having a relationship with God, especially if they're unbeliever. Because the purpose of signs, wonders, and miracles, all of these things, they mean absolutely nothing if it doesn't impact someone's eternity. Some of you are not getting this. It's no point in ministering health to someone and you don't minister the gospel of Jesus to them. You're wasting your time. It's like giving someone a fish today, tomorrow they're hungry again. Teach them how to fish. Show them what is true life. True life is having God's spirit live in us and have relationship with him. The word healed here, verse 28. And this is where on, on Sundays when we get together, we're really a Bible teaching church. What do I mean by that? We value the word of God more than anything else. Because without the word of God, you will be deceived. And we value teaching. We value discipleship and that's why sometimes we share certain things that you might think ah oh, that's a little bit too complicated for me or what's the significance of that i'll show you verse 28 for she thought to herself if i can just touch his robe i will be healed so she's expressing here that if i'm going to touch his robe i'll experience healing from my sickness right that's the word healed there. Now, guess what? That same word healed is where we find the Greek word sozo from. Now, for you who have done Bible, Bible school, you'd know that same word sozo, it means salvation. Are you guys connecting the dots? We need to find the meaning of the word, not by the origin or the Greek definition of that word. We need to find the meaning of the word within the context that we find that word in. So, for example, this woman was not saved when she touched Jesus' robe. Can all of us agree on that? She was healed when she touched his robe. She was not saved. She don't, how does salvation come? Not by touching someone's clothes. Nowhere in the Bible do we see that's how salvation comes. Salvation comes by heart belief. Mouth confession that Jesus Christ died for my sins and God rose him from the dead. That's how salvation comes. So the word sozo does have different implications and different meanings. But here sozo does not mean salvation. Here sozo means healing from sickness. And so when we talk about salvation and I've received salvation through Christ Jesus... I'm talking about eternal life, God's spirit in man. I'm not talking about healing from sickness. That is not what you received when you received Christ. But you did receive his spirit. And his spirit is the spirit of power to bring about healing in your life. I'm trusting that this isn't complicating things for you, but this is kind of ironing, ironing, things out for you in light of how you perceived health before and where healing and the source of power actually comes from. Because again, like I said, the purpose and the intent of this message is if we see what the actual source of healing is, I can more clearly tap into that and not necessarily say things and just think that saying things is going to change things. An unbeliever can say, just talk health. An unbeliever can do that as well. An unbeliever can say, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. 
And to a degree, some beliefs out there is like, it's, it's all about positive thinking. Don't think negative. So I'm not going to think I'm sick. I'm, I've got this pain in my body, but I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I'm healthy. I'm healthy. I'm healthy. In Jesus' name, I'm healthy. Jesus died for my sickness. I'm healthy. An unbeliever can say a lot of those things, yet if you don't know what the source of the power is, you're going to miss what God has for you. The source of the power was made available, the Spirit of God, through what Jesus did in the cross and that whole account. But healing is something that we see when people were sick and they received, or let me get to the next passage of Scripture and then I'll carry on that train of thought. Acts, let's go to Acts chapter 3. As you guys are getting there. So we see this woman with the issue of blood. She drew from the source of power, Jesus. His spirit. So Acts 3 verse 1 to 7 says, and remember this is chapter 3. Chapter 3, if you're good at math, comes right after 2. And in chapter 2, we see Pentecost. Why aren't you guys laughing? Bertie had to like, like that was, that was like, that was a, thanks Bertie. It's, it's better than nothing. It's better than a blank face. So chapter three comes after chapter two. And in chapter two, we see the outpouring of the spirit. So we're seeing the spirit as the power, the source of power, the source of healing. And so in chapter three, we see one afternoon, Peter and John, so they've received this empowering. They waited at at Jerusalem for this outpouring that was promised to them. One afternoon, Peter and John went to the temple for three o'clock to pray. Now, Sadna, I must throw this out here. Mm, let's not. Okay. Verse two. As they came to the entrance called the beautiful gate, they were captured by the sight of a man crippled from birth, being carried and placed at the entrance to the temple. So here again, a sick man crippled from birth, so much so that he had to be carried. So this wasn't a spiritual crippleness. This is physical. And they were laid, he was laid at the entrance to the temple. And he was often brought there to beg for money for those going into worship. When he noticed Peter and John going into the temple, he begged them for money. Peter and John, looking straight into the eyes of the crippled man, said, look at us. Expecting a gift, he readily gave them his attention. Then Peter said, I don't have money, but I'll give you this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man, and he pulled the man to his feet. Suddenly, power surged into his crippled feet and ankles. The man jumped up, stood there for a moment, stunned, and then began to walk around. As he went into the temple courts with Peter and John, he leaped for joy and shouted praises to God. This is awesome. Peter and John, filled with the Spirit of God, filled with the source of power, tells this guy who lays at the temple, who's asking for money. The King James says, they respond and says, we do not have money, but what we do have is this. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. They recognize they had something. You have something. As you're sitting here, you have something. You have the source of power. God's Spirit Almighty living inside of you. 
Have you recognized it? If you have, then these types of things will follow your life. No condemnation. But recognizing something, having a revelation of something, being persuaded by something will lead to action. It will lead to you doing certain things. Like when someone asks you for money, but you're seeing they're sick, you tell them, I do not have money, but I do have something else for you. In the name of Jesus, rise up. Walk. There's a lot that I can get into right now, and we're not going to get into everything here. But, and that's why we'll have to, at some point, have a, have a whole series on, on healing um, to break down some of these, these things and, and, and break down some, some religious thoughts and concepts that we have about, about healing. And it's not to say that I've arrived on all of these things and as a ministry we've arrived on all of these tr- things, but there's some amazing truths that we're seeing coming out from God's word. And the ultimate thing, and if you walk away with one thing is, is this, that you've got the source of power living on the inside of you the Holy Spirit of God. And when you tap into that, you can experience a manifestation of healing. Last passage of Scripture, Romans 8, or second to last passage of Scripture, Romans 8, 10 to 11. Now Christ lives His life in you. So where does Christ live His life? In you. Now Christ lives His life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, His life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. Yes, God raised Jesus to life and since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, He will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. So again, this is the source of power, God's spirit in you. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living inside of your body. Have you come to recognize that? Have you come to make that the highest reality, the the clearest reality of your life? The challenge is this, that we're living in a fallen world and this fallen world dictates to us to a degree what is real and what is not real. It dictates to us what the default should be. The default response should be. When crisis happens, go into panic, have an anxious fit, freak out, try and sort things out on your own. All of those types of thinking. The default response to contrary thinking is when I have a cough, or when this happens or that happens, go on to Google and Google the symptoms of X, Y, and Z, and then go into further panic because a cough could also mean that you have cancer. And uh, all of those are crazy things. But we want to build a default belief system to when I do get challenged with sickness or disease, my default is not this natural world. My default is a higher reality, God's Spirit living in me. And this power and this ability that we see in the word that's been made available to us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Raising from the dead power 
is living on the inside of you? Are you tapping into that power? Are you drawing from that power, from that source of power? You guys can go to Mark 16. We're closing with Mark 16. And then we're going to pray together. Mark 16, 17 to 18. We need to come to believe and become fully persuaded that we have healing power living on the inside of us. And we get to draw from this well that is never running dry, 24-7. And the thing is, sometimes we might struggle to draw from this well. And then we get to draw from one another. Because, guess what? The person sitting next to you, if they've received Christ, they've got the same source of power living on the inside of them. It's not little pieces of Holy Spirit in all of us. It's not like 1% there, 2% there, another 3% there, another 1% there. It's not that. Colossians 2 verse 10 says that you've been made complete in Christ. And the word also says that you have been filled with his fullness. Fullness does not mean emptiness. It means full, complete, to the brim. You've received the mature Holy Spirit. You might not walk in that maturity. and You might not uh, bear the fruit of the Spirit, but you have got that source of power, of fruit bearing on the inside of you. So just because you're not seeing it doesn't mean it's not there. It's there. Just because I can't see your brain doesn't mean you don't have one. I'm speaking physically now, not like metaphorically just because I can't see your brain. Um, so physically, I can't see your brain, but yet you do have one. Just because you can't see and experience the source of power because you haven't experienced it up until this point does not mean it's not there. Does not mean it's not available to you. Mark 16, 17 to 18. And these miracle signs, say miracle signs. So miracle sign meaning that it is something that shows something. A sign shows something. A miracle is a manifestation, and it's supposed to be a sign of something. And guess what? In this context, miracle signs, wonders, healing should be a sign that we have power. A sign points to something. If someone is healed of a sickness, it's a sign that there was a supernatural power present in that moment. When Peter and John healed the crippled man, it was a sign that they had power. And these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. Say those who believe. Say I'm a believer. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally prompted or protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous. And they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. Jesus here talking to his disciples and saying that those who believe. If you're a believer, this is applicable to you. And I think most of you said that I'm a believer, and so I trust that you are a believer. If you're not a believer, then please uh, let us know. We'd love to pray with you and, and help you firstly and foremostly experience the one thing that God has decided from the beginning of time, relationship with you, His Spirit living in you. And then through that, we get to experience a manifestation of power in our bodies through his healing power that's been given and deposited inside of us, the Spirit of God. These miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons. 
the power of my name, they will speak with new tongues. They will supernaturally be protected from snakes and drinking poisonous things. And they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. Peter reached out his hand and the crippled man touched him and power surged from his hand. There's times in the Bible where there wasn't a physical touch, but healing was still manifested. So God's power is not limited to physical touch. Okay? It's not. But if they didn't stop and pay attention to this guy and believe they had something to give and acted on that belief, because I think all of us can say, I believe that I've got the Spirit of God living inside of me. I believe I've got the power of God inside of me. But few of us would act on that belief. And that's fine. We're here to challenge one another. We're here to sharpen one another. We're here to grow together. If you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, please contact us at info at or visit us at gracelife.co.